Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to another episode of Mostly Lit with myself, Ray, just Ray, as Alex would say, and, and Derek, Derek Wusu now. Oh, oh, mm. we're using your surname now. Officially. You're giving them so much more information. I'm coming back to come back to my Ghanaian roots now. All right. Yeah. No more Mr. English. <laughs> no more Mr. English. Mm. Thank God we've passed that stage. Right. Okay. As you can see, guys, we're missing a voice today. Um, we're missing our Oscar Wow. Um, oh, he'd love that, wouldn't he? Alex um, Why is he not here? Oh, he's working. Today. I think he's working, yeah. Mm. So, but we have another guest with us. To replace Alex? Yes, to replace Alex. Probably be a better host. <laughs> oh, poor Alex. <laughs> poor Alex, right? Um, so who do we have in the studio with us today? Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Nikesh Shukla and I am a very tired writer. A bit tired. A bit tired. Very yeah. tired. Yeah, um, I've got two young children and I've been just travelling a lot. So yeah. yeah. Okay. A lot of time on trains. Just, just so we don't get any tweets shouting us again, you need to be like directly in the mic, like so. How is yeah? Okay, cool. Yeah, apparently they, know, they can't hear us. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of. Um, All right, how about this? A lot of abuse. Yeah. <laughs> I lean forward and then I'm facing you. Oh, oh yeah, that's perfect. Okay, yeah, that's exactly. great. Yeah, a lot of abuse. Okay, cool. I got, I saw the one that was like, Alex, can you please talk up? I can't hear. You. Yeah, basically, yeah. Well, the thing, the thing I've discovered this week, having done a very long car journey, is this. This is. A very hard podcast to listen to in the car environment. Yes, that's what somebody podcast. said. Yeah, yeah, you have to have the he- really. Headphones. Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard as well. Why? Because of the sound, quiet. apparently. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Anyway, what's everybody reading? Um. Okay, so guys, I've been really bad. I've been really sick, so that's my excuse. Um, I haven't been reading anything. I started Family Man family life family life because you told me to mm-hmm. um because of this episode mm-hmm. and i was so sick that i was just like and i told you you won't read it in two days He's i like, know i really th- i had so much confidence i was like he told me you told me on monday that i should get this book i got it it was just sitting at home so um the book is family life by um akil sharma um 
and yeah Derek told me to go and buy it and read it and I haven't yet I've got I'm literally like 14 pages in when they've just gotten the tickets to go to America really yeah like so early on right okay but um so far it's literally I, I guess the writing is good and that's all I can say <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. um same here yeah it's a, it's a master class in conciseness that book yeah the original version of that book was like 700 pages long or 700,000 words long maybe because it was sort of started off as a memoir yeah and then he spent like a, he spent a really long time like paring it down to those 200 pages and like it's one of those rare books where there isn't a wasted word mm. it's like it's really like concisely written where every word carries so much weight it's yeah. brilliant it's really brilliant I mm. love that book see I li- I like it I like the writing you I'm, got much further with it didn't you yeah I literally got halfway <coughs> through like a couple of days ago I could have finished it but I stopped reading because it was it was too heavy for me. Yeah, it's very very depressing. Yeah, it's very depressing. And oh, this is when you started asking guys, can you give me a happy family book to read? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, I wasn't expecting it to be honest. I yeah. thought it was gonna be, I don't know, more more to it. But because it was so focused on what happened, I can't I just believe couldn't... that this is depressing. Like, it looks so happy. It's because it's weirdly in... funny. Like, yeah. I found it funny. It's like morbidly funny, and. And it is a book about unhappiness, um, essentially, and like the weight of family, the weight of like the weight on immigrant families. Mm. Um, it was it was it was one of those books that I'd I'd not heard of the right before, but then when like the advanced copies of it were going around, people were really excited about him being back, and I was like, I didn't even know he was gone. Mm. Yeah, and I got sent it. And I took it on a holiday and I read it on a beach. It's not a beach read, oh, but no. it was amazing. I it was really, and it's, I think it's the only book in like the last five years that as soon as I finished it, I went back to the beginning and started again because I was like, I definitely miss some stuff with it. Um, oh, wow. And you know, like you read things at certain points in your life and they just, they just hit what you need them to hit. And yeah. That's, that's how I felt about that book. So I might, I might have to finish it then. I, I mean, <laughs> Maybe in a month or so, I'll come back to it. And <laughs> what are you reading? It. What else am I reading? Yeah. Um, just that. Oh, wait, no, I did start reading something else. What did <coughs> I start reading? Oh, The End of the Affair by Graham Greene. I started reading that, actually. I don't know why. I think I just picked up and I was like, oh, let me start reading this because it's quite short and I was, I needed like a quick, a yeah. quick read. But that's depressing as well. So that's why I was asking Will, is there any like a family saga or something that's just not, there's no tragedy. There's, of course there has to be a conflict, but something that's just, it's just light. It's just um, easy. And Alex with that suggested cheaper by the dozens. Yeah, but not cheaper read. by the dozens. <laughs> <laughs> just not that basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for me really. Perfect. Why you, Nikesh? Uh, so I... I'm reading Zadie Smith's book of essays that's out in February next year, mm-hmm. um, which is really great. Um, even though, like a lot of it, it's just stuff that has been online. Um, but it's always nice to like to read it in a book. Yeah. You know? um, and I'm reading a book by a guy called Guy Gun- Gunaratne called In Our Mad and Furious City. Oh yeah, I've got that as well. Which is good. Um, he, they've asked me for like a, a cover quote for it, so I'm trying to read yeah. it carefully, mm. so I don't just put unputdownable yeah yeah <laughs> real page turner or like some, something yeah extra. a masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> i think you've just done i don't you just done my homework for you <laughs> that sounds perfect yeah um 
so those and yeah that's it really mm. how's guy's book how is it yeah it's mm. really good um it's really it's a really angry book mm. like there's so much fury on every page yeah mm. and sometimes it's a bit too heavy so i kind of have to read it quite slowly yeah all right <coughs> okay well should we get straight into it then yeah oh your tete-a-tete is interesting today it's interesting yeah because mm. i don't know anyway introduce it but so basically um hopper leaves her letters to one of her friends are going up for auction and i was reading about it and it just made me start thinking about a lot of the time like authors letters get published or their diaries get published and what i think we have kind of touched on this but i just wanted to ask like nikesh what you thought as well how much <laughs> i think is a massive invasion of privacy to publish a dead author's letters to one of her friends and her obviously having no say in the matter at all hmm. um but then i think there's a thing where it's like oh the author's life everything they write they, it needs to be put out there or i think there's an argument like that but what do you what do you think about that i guess with harper lee because there isn't a lot mm. yeah so like like anything you can find is probably really really exciting mm. um i always think that that art of authors writing letters is just dead now because you know no one's going to publish my emails to like <laughs> yeah <laughs> to james Smythe because most of them are just like have you seen this no <laughs> or, yeah yeah it's you know that the art the art of writing has kind of gone a little bit um a couple a couple of years ago i f- i found like this christmas present I'm, I'm a big really big spider-man fan and i felt i like had this pad of like airmail airmail letters um that were spider-man airmail letters mm. that my wife had got me for christmas was it something i was like i'm gonna write some letters mm. and so i basically like um just wrote a bunch of letters to lots and lots of friends and sent them out really randomly like not really saying anything <laughs> but like just sort of talking about things that yeah. were on my mind or whatnot only one person wrote back oh man wow. and i sort of feel like i really hope that those letters never get published because <laughs> they weren't that exciting they were... uh, i think it's so weird because so i'm gonna go back to austin the my favorite book of austin is persuasion and that was published after her death mm. i don't know whether she consented to that but i can't imagine having not read that book because in my opinion that's her best work mm. so it's more of a moral question do you know what i mean in terms of yeah just because <sighs> she wrote it doesn't mean that it has to be put out there yes do you know but what i mean i don't know i'm just it's it's a, because they're not there to say yes or no exactly so... well, that's the point i just feel like it's very selfish of readers and publishers editors to say oh well it had like would it be selfish if it, if the money if the proceeds and the money go to her uh, estate? Yes, of course it will. It's still because the author hasn't had a say in this. It's like <laughs> with Franz Kafka, his short stories or whatever were published after he died, and he wanted his editor to burn them hmm. and didn't. He published them instead. That's a massive breach of trust and privacy. But they're dead. <laughs> I, I know what you're saying, but I just feel like it's a bit. No, I and I completely understand, but mm. I I just. I just think it's a waste of art if it's really, really good. I think if, I think the editor, well, with Persuasion, like the editor would have known how f- close to being finished it mm. was. 
like when David I think it was completely finished. Yeah. Yeah. So like when David Foster Wallace <coughs> died, he had an uncompleted book that his editor I yeah. think tried to finish. Mm. And that yeah, to me that's... feels like just just leave it in the drawer, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and then you know, there was this rush to then also publish like a lot re or republish a lot of David Foster Wallace's early work, mm. which he was really embarrassed by. And I got sent a book to review for The Guardian, uh, like he and his mate when they were in college had written this paper on rap mm. and it was really like two middle-class white bros writing about the emergence of rap and so it was very problematic in places and um like reading all the stuff about it like he'd said that he really never wanted to see it published again because mm. it, he was really embarrassed by it mm. and then the publisher was like we'll put it out again yeah <laughs> yeah um, and that, yeah, that feels weird. Like I, I, w I wouldn't want anything published that I definitely had said in my lifetime. I don't want yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Out there. I exactly. think adding on is a bit like trying to finish a writer's work. It's awful. Why are you trying to taint? But I think I, th I don't mind publishing it as it is unfinished, mm. but then actually sitting down and drafting an ending, mm, but not I mean understanding how the ending should have been. That's not nice. But don't editors kind of do something yes, similar but, already? Yes, but I, I don't I mean, I'm not an editor, but to do a good chapter, an ending that you don't know is is what the writer would have wanted. Well, let's ask Nikesh. When you, <laughs> yeah. when you write your novels, does your editor ever like literally write rewrite down. something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I sort of suggested, I mean, this is the thing with editorial notes that you don't necessarily know until you've done it a few times. Like when your editor says, have you thought about this or have you tried it like this or this is sort of roughly what this should do. Mm. It's up to you as a writer to make a judgment call and go, do I agree with them? Are they right? Yeah, okay. I, I see what they're saying. Okay, I'm going to rework it. Maybe put, put it into my own words or maybe you might go, actually, it needs to be a certain way and you might push back on it. But you're the one that's taking that. They're giving you the notes and you're implementing it in how you're writing. Am I correct? Yeah. Rather so, than them sitting there with their laptop drafting a whole chapter. Well, so, I mean, interestingly, I've, so I'm, I've got a YA book coming out next year and it's I've made it really, really hard for myself because <laughs> I've never written a thriller before. Right. I've, it's set in real time. And it's set in a site-specific location, so it's set, like, in a tower block. Mm. And so <laughs> there's, like, uh, with, like, four narrative voices. And mm -hmm. so there is a lot of, like, moving people around different floors, like, keeping an eye on time, mm. trying to make, keep it exciting and all the rest of it. And so my editors, like, I had to basically kind of come in and show me little tricks for how you write a thread. <coughs> and, like... Just, you know, little things like leaving each chapter on a cliffhanger or like mm. where as a writer, you're like, oh, this description of this person's baseball cap is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, no, you need the pace here and, <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And mm. like you write this really, really, really poignant flashback and they're like, nope, chop. Um, or they rewrite bits of action because they're like, yeah. The other thing I found really hard writing was like fighting scenes because there's like... Um, there's no like there's I think there's there's no guns in it or anything. It's like basically a, a martial arts thriller about gentrification set in a tower block, mm. and so there's a lot of punching and kicking, mm. um, which sort of makes it feel quite violent because um, you know like 
this sort of this visceral smacking <laughs> together of bodies and like it's teenagers and authority figures and all the rest of it and it's really hard to write fight scenes so like you really have to like visualize he he punches him on the cheek mm. how does that person then roll back yeah mm. how how can then they do like a counter blow um and then how do you write all, oops, sorry how do you write all that in an exciting way yeah. where, where the reader's like oh god oh god oh god um because like, if you're reading lots and lots of like action bits one after the other like after a while are you still visualizing it in your head or you're like yeah i'll get it i'll get it kicking yeah it's fine um i can't remember what the point was but yeah so my, my yeah my editing <laughs> sort of helping yeah. me a lot with like keeping the pace on that mm-hmm. um which is really really helpful so like she will put in like a sentence and go i think it needs to say this but put it in your own words yeah and stuff like that and like, put it in your t- own words is very important to me put it in your own words not yeah the draft i'm, I'm sure the in. editor would like to just write what they want to write <laughs> yeah but they're, yeah <laughs> they're just true. being polite and saying yeah. yeah oh i think you should do this yeah. but write in your own words yeah. do you know what i mean i mean we've had a lot of literary agents this year with get book deals and you know and and editors and you just know that like it's a lot of frustrated <laughs> writers working, yeah. working in the industry um no it's true i remember when i was a fashion editor of my university magazine mm-hmm. i'd get some rubbish and i'd literally rewrite everything and then be like i think it should be like this do you agree and then that's horrible yeah i know but i had to because it was a mess that's horrible but it is that that feeling that you just want to sit and just rewrite something Mm. because you know how you would want it to read yeah yeah but it's being on the other end of that that's like i know that you know what i mean it's 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 painful yeah Mm. I, I edit a youth magazine in Bristol where mm-hmm. I live um, called Rife where yeah. loads of young people basically write content and my job as an editor is to basically like get the best out of their pieces without just going this is my opinion and like so often I'm like editing these things going oh my god this is wrong or this yeah. is really really stupid mm. or this is just incorrect and, <coughs> um, or that I disagree but a lot of the time I have to find a way of like making the piece as good as it can be in that young person's voice yeah and it's really hard it's really really hard because like you don't want to do the you know that how do you do fellow kids meme you don't want to do that version of like, yeah of, of editing a yeah. youth magazine when you're in your late 30s <laughs> right. right okay moving on so the main topic today is going <coughs> to be just like we was talking about with family life child narrative so children's voices in literature mm-hmm. um how they're used how they're misused how the authors sometimes <coughs> accidentally speak for the child yeah and then obviously you come away from it so i'm going to talk about my favorite book books from child voices oh god and then you can speak about yours and then of course nika she can speak about yours and then we could just compare them all nicely yeah okay um so for me obviously it's pigeon english which is amazing. And um, I know why the cage bird sings by Maya Angelou. Mm. Um, the thing is with Maya Angelou's one, it's a bit difficult because although it's from the child's perspective, sometimes it is Maya Angelou adult speaking. It, well, it feels like that. Am I wrong? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There is a wisdom to her childhood narrative, I think, that really is more so like an adult. It's like in and out, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it does that. But even like her childhood voice is very 
what smooth and it's almost like probably because it's my Angelou. Also, with child voices, I think they're very like they're they're unbiased. Like sorry, they're uh, biased um, narrators to the core, right? And they miss out so many things. I think, but with my Angelou, it's almost like yep, yeah, I I agree with everything you say. That that is that that is the truth. That is what happened. I I can't even fault it, or I don't even want to fault it. Like I just believe it. Whereas Scout. I'm sure that child makeup made up so many lies. That's be- but that's because of how she is as a child, though, isn't it? Maybe. <clears throat> or how she's how she's cre- how properly created her. You can yeah. imagine her being a liar, a little mischievous, just like mis- Lyra in his dark materials. Exactly. Like she's a liar. Do you know what I mean? Um, but then with pigeon English, there's, <coughs> there's none of that. There's no. I think the only time where um you hear like an adult voice in pigeon english is obviously when when kelman introduces the pigeon who's like a philosopher mm-hmm. talking and i think that was his way he probably wanted to talk in the novel but obviously being from um, harrison's perspective he couldn't do that so then the pigeon was there to i guess so he could speak mm-hmm. um that was the only time i think harrison was very from all the books i've read child perspectives i think harrison's probably the most consistent child voice <laughs> i've read like even even in Purple Hibiscus, what's the what's the main character name? I you forgot about her book, didn't you? What's her name? No, as in I forgot her name. Oh, but when you you know when when I used to put it on the plan, and I was like, of course, I told told my child perspective. Mm. She was a very powerful narrator, I think. As a child. As a child, I mean, she, she was a child throughout the whole thing until like the end. I think she was. Yeah, I think for me, what was very convincing was when she would say things like oh my sister said this i wish i had said that i can just imagine a child doing that like when a parent's like oh well done that's that's a good idea or yes you said that very well oh your brother's like that no she had a brother oh brother sorry brother yeah yeah sorry 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 um come off your phone right i'm looking at the plan (laughs) purple hibiscus i really liked it I hated the ending, obviously, with all sort mm. of Shimamanda's endings. They're a bit crap until, mm. unless, un, not um, Half Yellow Sun. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, amazing ending. But I love the relationship that she had with her brother. Um, and I think she was a perfect insight into that family because of the things that, because the things that her father was doing, obviously her father was abusing mm. her mum mm. and he was hiding it from the world but because we saw it from her perspective it was also hidden from her and we couldn't see it in the beginning but we saw little snippets of it so it, I don't even think that I would put I would put that alongside um, Maya Angelou's book in terms of how I viewed both of those little girls really? yeah I did not doubt her truth did you in purple hibiscus yeah no i didn't actually but it's just there's no adult tinge to her at all whereas in my angelou's book there is do you know what i mean because although she's giving you wisdoms in purple hibiscus they're childish wisdoms yeah they're like it's just like a purity whereas in i know why the cage bird sings you can tell that it's more worldly and it's like a child wouldn't be this 
wouldn't have this kind of wisdom. Do you but know mainly I mean? because obviously she went through something very traumatic as a child mm. that rushed her into the world. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I would say a similar thing happened, but obviously not so gruesome in Purple Hibiscus. Um, but it was slower. And there was that um, pastor, a minister guy in... Um, Papa Hibiscus, yeah, who was a way for the little girl to know about the world and know about men because remember she started basically having a crush on this guy. I she thought he was a perv, man. Did you? I thought there was something really wrong with that character. I I, I thought so, but then I was like, yeah, I no, know. because it was her. I, I remember think, now coming yeah. to the idea of loving a man. I think. Or, or or even not i think even not even loving a man just having a man that isn't abusing her and her family that is actually good and her falling in love with that man do you know what i mean i get you but <clears throat> like he knew he knew she had a crush on him and it's like he he there was that part in the football um, he was playing yeah, on it which yeah. is bizarre because he's you're a big man like why i don't think he was that? playing on it i think he was <laughs> because she's just looking at us like <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. What about you? I mean, what about you, Nikesh? Apart from <coughs> the obvious, obviously, a family life. Yeah. Um, so my first novel had like child noir. Well, it was it was um, a guy reminiscing about his sort of teenage years. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of seeing it through, seeing like some really, really pivotal moments in his life through his teenage eyes. And what was, what I think, what, what was really interesting at the time when I was trying to like get the book out to like publishers and stuff was that a lot of publishers were like, this is YA because it's got teenagers in it, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really strange thing to, to dismiss a book with that like, if a book is narrated by a teen- teenager, then it must be for teenagers. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the one of the best books that I've read with a teenage narrator is Submarine by Joe Dunthorne, because mm-hmm. it's so painfully awkward and funny, and <clears throat> the the kid in it is just a brilliantly odd, brilliantly odd child. And like it just really stays in the world of like the oddness of this kid to the point where you start to like really empathize with him and um, you start to feel a bit odd yourself. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that one really, really sticks out for me. Um, what about Oscar Wow? Well, Oscar Wow's narrated by Junior <coughs> and Oscar's sister. It's never oh, really, really? Oh, right. Okay, okay. It's never really goes into like Oscar. I don't think everything that happens with Oscar is reported by Junior mm. and yeah. Oscar's sister. Um, I mean, that book is just, <clears throat> I get like going back to like when you, you, sometimes you read a book at the right time for, mm. for it to do what it needs to do for you as either a reader or a writer. Mm. And um, I wasn't very well read until um, like my mid twenties. Mm. Like, yeah. I like I read Spider-Man comics. I read Daredevil comics um i read like crime stuff and i read like if there was any brown author ever like any south asian author i would try and read their stuff but Mm. sometimes i found it's like too literary or too highbrow or just like too invested in talking about oppression and colonialism Mm. um 
which you know it has its place but i was just like i want to read something else and then um a friend told me about oscar wow and like from the first page i was like <coughs> this is the book that i've needed to read for years it's it's like as a writer it shows you so much of what you can do as a writer and it also as a writer of color it's really really it's a really really inspiring way to kind of look at language and look at like rhythms that like aren't western storytelling mm. um can i swear yeah absolutely of there's a brilliant there's a brilliant brilliant <laughs> quote because i the thing that i really loved about oscar wow is there's like like this peppered with loads and loads of spanish and yeah it is yeah um like and he never explains it and it's never in italics it's just there in the text mm. And I know I really, really hate it when like really normal words in other languages or like normalized words get italicized in books. So you'll be reading a book and then like someone's eating a samosa and the samosa will be in italics. You're like, it's just a samosa, it doesn't need italics. <laughs> yeah. um, but Juno Diaz said this thing around the time of Oscar Wilde that has really stayed with me, which was um, motherfuckers will read a book that's one third in Elvish, but you write two or three sentences in Spanish and they think we're taking over. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's such a brilliant quote. And it's true. Like, Lord of the Rings is like yeah. one third in Elvish. Yeah, right? yeah. And people are like, oh, but we can't have someone refer to their abuela. Oh, What's, an abuela? What's an abuela? Should we put auntie in brackets? No, it's a, abuela is a normal true. word yeah. For, yeah. in that context. Um, and he also said this, another thing which... Like, it's obviously, like, while I've been touring The Good Immigrant, it's sort of been a quote that I've used a lot. Mm. But um, I think even Alex may have mentioned this on, like, a previous podcast. But um, so Juno goes, like, the thing about monsters, it, like, the thing about vampires is they have no reflection. Mm. And the thing about monsters is they have no reflection. Um, and if you want to turn a human being into a monster, then you deny them at the cultural level any reflection of themselves. Mm. Um and I love that quote. Yeah. yeah. That quote is like, so like, that quote is so much <coughs> of why I do what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's a really important writer for me. I think I might I have to go not, and read I know you're not his biggest fan. Right? No, do you know why? Because I just read, <coughs> this is how you lose. Well, I haven't really read That's all amazing. of it. I didn't. I Let's just thought he back. was a ho. I just Let's thought, why are you writing ho narratives? You know, why? Ho narratives. Like, oh, <laughs> I just, oh, oh. I just felt like, you're so mean to these women and I have to feel sorry for you. And I think maybe I was just far too invested. I, I didn't feel sorry for you, no? Did you? Did you feel sorry I for you? I just feel like he was complaining and I'm just like, you deserve it. Yes, he did You're an asshole. And I think that's what he was the, doing. The last, the last... Uh, story which I think is called The Cheater's Guide to Love. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, that, that's you guys have talked that, about that. That's the one where he, but it like it all comes together. And okay. Like, and like this sort of the self realization that he's going through with through the, the short stories, yeah, all comes together. But but what I love about um Juno is Junior is like in everything he does, like and Junior's Junior is obviously a cipher for Juno himself, yeah, yeah. And so he's in all he's in Drown in all the. Sh Oh, excuse me. Uh, he's in Drown in all the short stories, and obviously he's dating Oscar Wilde's sister, so he crops up again in Oscar Wilde, and then he's an asshole in This Is How You Lose <laughs> yeah. Her. Mm. Um, and I, that, you know, I really love that. Like, I really love it when writers kind of do this sort of linking together of all of their work. Mm. Um, I'm not David Mitchell's like biggest fan, but his the book The Bone Clocks, yeah, like. 
that, and that was the first book of his that I'd ever read, and I didn't get a lot of it. But like someone was breaking down to me that like every section in the Bone Clocks basically pulls from other books, like pulls from things in other books, and he's built this sort of omniverse around like all of his texts, which I think is really cool. Because mm. like obviously you have like the Philip Pullman version of the world where like it's there all in the books, yeah. but then you have then then this little thing <clears throat> and as a writer i'm always putting in like little notes to myself and so every every novel i've ever written there's a girl called rocky mm-hmm. somewhere in the background mm. and in my new novel coming out in april she actually gets to talk um like someone because i'm gonna write a novel about this character mm-hmm. and so i've just been sort of seeding her yeah. in little places throughout yeah. my work <coughs> um and yeah, I just I don't I don't know where I'm going with it, but yeah, I really like that that idea. But <laughs> linking all your work together is really cool. Yeah. yeah, who else does that? Oh, we was talking about Stephen King actually about that, and somebody actually emailed us to say yes, oh, yeah. Stephen King does link a lot of his books and characters together. Like characters pop up in different mm. books and whatnot. And I don't think I think they're all in the same universe. It's kind of similar That's to a what fucked up universe. <laughs> yeah, it is exactly. It's yeah. a terrifying universe. Yeah, um, I think it's kind of like what Marvel does as well, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They do Universe that quite thing. often. People popping up. And People that. popping up. Oh, you went to watch Justice League. I did. Let's not talk about it yet. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Let's save that for later. Okay. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you guys um, read The Lovely Bones? <laughs> I have. I read it when I was really, really young and it was traumatic. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed it, though, even though it was very traumatic. And it, it is the. They made a film about it, isn't it? Yeah. I haven't watched a film. Have you heard of it? Alice Siebel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I've I've not read it. Mm. It's is it? Is, has it got Jennifer Lawrence in the film? I've I don't know, actually. It might be. It might be young. Mark uh, Wahlberg's in the movie. Uh, He's really? the dad. Have you seen the movie? Yeah, I've seen the movie. Is it good? No. Yeah, okay. Well, the book is good. <laughs> I, I read the book when I was really young, though. The but book isn't... You like the book? I really like... Oh. I liked it, but it made me so scared. I hate the book. Did you? When did you read it? When I was 23. Oh, okay. Mm. I, I think d- I read it when I was, like, in my teens. It's just horrible. It's a horrible story. I mean, it's a say, horrible you story. Said when I was twenty-three, like you're thirty-seven, I'm like twenty-four. <laughs> 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 last year. No, I'm twenty-nine. Are you? Yeah. Big man, oh, you know. Okay. Yeah, I'm older. I'm, I'm old, mate. <laughs> He's a pensioner. Exactly. Um. <laughs> um. But I really, I it's horrid, but it kept me in suspense, and I was reading it like this is. That's a child's voice as well, isn't it? Yes. It's her telling her it's, her yeah, death, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I remember. That's why I didn't like it. It was, it was insane. I might reread it actually. <laughs> but yeah, it was quite nice. I enjoyed it. And the last one I wanted to talk about was the curious incident <laughs> of the dog of the nighttime. I read that. I read it. Yeah. What do you guys think? I didn't like it. You know. I I, I th- yeah I I read it because a lot of people said this book's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. 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 And then you're like, it's okay. Mm. Um, I really like Mark Haddon. I think he's a lovely man. Mm. Um, and. Like I've, I like I really love his short stories, mm. um, but yeah, that book, I yeah, I get what he's trying to do, but like every now and then, you know, when you can like, I don't know, maybe this is just a, a writer thing, but when you can kind of see the joins, like you can see how it's put together a bit too mm. much, or right. Like, right? I, I right. get what you're so trying to do a bit here, too like, yeah. Obviously made in a particular way, yeah. Mm. Contrived, not con- contrived, but no, I don't know. You yeah, can just see all on the notepad, basically, how you <laughs> find everything. Yeah. I know what you mean. I feel the same way about Invisible Man. Even though I love that book, I can see how 
Ralph Ellison structured it because it's very episodic as well. Mm, yeah, I it can is. see it's like a blueprint of a novel, the way he's written it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But no, I completely. Get I that. thought the book was underwhelming and uncomfortable. I thought, I thought when I first read, I thought, isn't this some of this stuff going to be offensive? <clears throat> because he never explicitly. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details says like whether um what's the protagonist's name is it oliver i think it might be yeah whether he's on the spectrum or not does it so i thought to myself i was thinking okay christopher yes i'm thinking i'm having to make an assumption but my assumption may be completely wrong but i think yeah but i I think that a lot of that is to do (coughs) you know there's i think the success of that the novel is that it keeps you in the narrator's voice and yeah. kind of like editorializes from an author's perspective. Like, and even like the snatched conversations where he overhears his like mum talking about stuff, it mm. still doesn't, it still doesn't give you the whole picture. It still hints at like a, a bigger thing, which yeah. I think is really good. Mm. And Kit DeWild does that really well in My Name My is name's Leon. Leon. Mm. See, I had no idea that he had Asperger's, right? So when I, f- I read it quite young, so when I did read it, I was like, in my head, I'm like, why is he so weird? You know, why is he... In- that's, was, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they don't actually like, say yeah, anything. It was just very uncomfortable. I was just like... And the parts when he was being quite mean and horrid, and I was just like, why Why did you have to do that? And then I grew up, and then I was like, oh, so that's what that was about. Probably says a lot about you then, doesn't it? Yeah. But then I was like <laughs> really young, you know? Mm. I don't know how old, but quite young. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, I mean, the voice... You're right. The, the voice is... is Oh, like an honest voice and it's a, it's a voice that you, you you do get into and you're like okay I can see how this happened and, this, and how that's happening yeah but I just one I didn't like the main character neither did I you didn't you didn't like him no but I would um, 
catcher in the rye would you call that childhood that's more yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah have you read that yeah <clears throat> like it yeah i mean i've i've read it like when i was 16 oh right okay a yeah. really long time ago i studied it for uh i don't think i did it for my coursework but i had that book was basically like i had a really good english teacher mm. and um like I didn't like any of my other teachers, but you know I think a lot yeah. of writers have a really good English teacher or a really good school librarian. Mm. And my English teacher like was really up for like us doing weird stuff or just like stuff that wasn't part <coughs> of the curriculum. So we did like our coursework was to write a dream sequence for Holden. That's cool. Um, and we also studied the script for Annie Hall, the Woody Allen script, which mm. like and this was obviously when I was a teenager. Yeah. Didn't know any of like who this person. Yeah was in real life but and like we we like uh we got to write a deleted scene from annie hall and like um yeah it was he was such a brilliant teacher um and then years later like came to like one of the good immigrant shows at cheltenham and did he remember you yeah well he came because you remembered yeah me. and like it's, it's always funny because my wife's a teacher mm. and like she says that um the kids always remember you but you never remember like all the kids yeah. and, like, i wasn't particularly <laughs> memorable at school i was quite quite i was quiet and kind of boring <laughs> kind of like <laughs> still am but um it was really like it was really powerful to like have him kind of go yeah you well well done for like all this stuff and you go oh the teacher who like set me on this path yeah. kind of remembered me that that really was an amazing moment for yeah yeah mm, interesting okay <clears throat> well is there any more child narratives that you want to add to my selection um well i really like to kill a mockingbird so i, think I feel like we've done enough on that do you think like, no, we've we spoken about it so it. much oh no, like the gatsby yeah but okay mm, yeah we've mm. never done an episode on gatsby before mm, mm. haven't done an episode on to kill a mockingbird before either okay well what would you like to say about scouts <laughs> She's annoying, but she's brilliant. And Boo Radley scared the hell out of me, mm -hmm. just like it did her. It was believable. I loved it. I think it was believable. I I I think Scout's voice is believable. I just don't think it's um. It's there's there's it lacks <coughs> a certain realism about it. Yeah. Some of the things she comes out with, I'm just like really rather okay. fantastical. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And there's no, for me anyway, I didn't feel like there was any kind of development in her voice considering what she was there going was. through and what she was seeing. And there was, it was a retelling because in the first line tells you what happens in the last part. Yeah. Yeah. So it yeah. was a retelling. So I don't know if, yeah, I didn't see a growth either, but I guess that was why. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, childhood voices. I don't know if I read a lot of childhood voices as a child. <coughs> that's interesting yeah i don't think i did like, isn't harry potter from the voice of a child or is yeah. it's harry potter in third person or? yeah oh right okay third person but yeah i think a lot of i think books for teenagers that are set in the eye feels like quite new quite a modern thing mm. Mm. um but i think that's probably because uh like that that first person I think feels like quite an American thing mm. 
and um I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know when I write like I'm very tired. I is very You're saying it's quite new, right? Yeah, I feel, I feel like it. Like person. when I think back to like Famous Five and stuff, which was what I was reading when I was a kid, that was all third person and with lashings of ginger beer and Right, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And you look back at it now and you're like, Why did I read this shit? Like, <laughs> it's so bad. I guess it's probably like they want to give like sense of a story being told to you. And as a, as having a like a, an omnipotent whatever uh, narrator, mm-hmm. you get a better sense of that rather than someone talking to you. Yeah. Which, but I prefer first person. To you. Yeah, because it for me it's easier to read first person. I don't know. Is it easier to write in first person? Yeah, definitely. Oh, really? Because there's like there's the first person. There's like a a close third person, which mm. is still in the main character's point of view mm. but it's still in the third person and then there's like a distance third person which is really hard to write and yeah I've never that's like tolstoy third person yeah mm. and like i've never been able to do that properly because mm. like i guess so much of what's going on in the stuff that i'm writing is about the interior journeys of mm. the like the protagonists all right okay what about you ray second person what Second person. It's the second person. Where yeah, the well, there are, there are a couple of really good books that are written in the second person. Like most in the Hamid wrote a book called "How to Get Filthy Rich in Rising Asia." Is that a novel? Yeah, I saw it and I was like, "Is this?" Because after I read, um, I read the Reluctant Fundamentalist, and then I got Moth Smoke, and I saw yeah. that, and I was like, "Is Moth this Smoke a novel is, or Moth is Smoke it?" Is amazing. Is it good? good? I haven't read it yet. So no. good. Mm. How thick uh, is it? It's like 200, 230 pages. It's about like heroin addicts in Lahore. Did you like um, Exit West? I did. Did you? I hated it when I first when I first started <coughs> reading it. Yeah. Because um, I was like, oh, it's very issuey. Like I get it. It's yeah. Very issuey. Yeah. And then I kind of just got the rhythm of it. Yeah. And I, I'm glad someone told me to stick with it. Okay. And I and I got it, and I was like, okay. I was I get bashing it, it last time. But um, yeah, how to how to get filthy rich in rising age? It's sort of like framed like a self help book. Mm. That's what I thought it was. So each chapter is like have an exit strategy, mm. <laughs> and then like it like tells a story from this guy's life. Oh right, okay. Um, but it's told in the you because it's very much about like the every person mm. journey of like um, people from like low income backgrounds in like miscellaneous South Asian countries. I think this this one particular is supposed to be in either Karachi or Lahore mm. because that's where he lives. But um it could be anywhere, like it could be Bombay, it could be um Bangalore, etc. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. It's re- he's like he's he's very funny when he wants to be mm. Mohsen Hamid. Like his books are very like weighty and they deal with very serious things. Yeah. But he can also be really funny and that book is really funny. Exit West definitely wasn't funny. No. <laughs> Not funny at all. Nothing funny. So that's what you like, Ray. You like second persons where they're like, you did that, you did this. It's very speechy. What, Exit West? No, second person. Speechy? What do you mean? Like, it's almost like you're giving a speech. I find. I don't know. What do you mean? Can you explain that? Like, I don't know. Speechy? Yeah, speechy. It's like you're reading a speech. I don't think you're. I don't think you know what second person is, mate. I do. <laughs> no. It's very speechy, don't you think? What when they're te- when the character's basically <coughs> you? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Poor Ray. I know. I'm so sick. What did you read? Have you read If on a Winter's Night a Traveler? I have. That's I, what I love it. About. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> I love that. 
Oh, have you, wait, you've, have you finished it? No, I didn't like it. You didn't like I it? I don't like second person narratives. Oh, man. Like, it's, it's, Calvino. I think it's it's good for very specific things. So, like, if you want to kind of create an every person character that, mm. like, you want the reader to basically put themselves, like, imagine themselves. It's almost like it's almost like playing a video game, I mm. think. Second person narrative. Yeah, it is. The third person isn't too bad, but I, like, first person is very... It's so I find very informal. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so that's I the, think that's good. There's a particular way you have to write. No, I feel like person. it's like that with third person. Do you think? Yeah, there's a particular way you have to tell the story. Of course, a lot of people don't stick to the rules. Yeah, which is great. But I think with first person, you just have more room to do things. If that makes sense. In my personal, in in terms of the the novels that I like, like. But isn't it? very biased so that if you if you want that omnipresent feel you can't get it you can't get that no of course not and it i i think for me it's always very restrictive but that's not life though is it i know but i want to know it all (laughs) fair enough enough. i just like narratives that mirror the way not the way i see the world but the way people interact with the world and it's yeah it's you're you're by yourself it's the eye exactly that's where it all that starts. Gives you quite a big insight into people's lives, I suppose. As in, yeah, and I, I also feel like when you write, like for example, like Tolstoy, one of the reasons why I struggle with him is because <coughs> you just you're just getting involved in too many people's lives. There's mm. just too many. What have you tried? Um, I've tried Anna Karenina. Yeah, but, um, and it's just it's just too fucking long, man. <laughs> Even War and Peace, I heard that's just. I mental. bought it. I heard it's mental. And it's just sat on my shelf. And I don't think I'll ever read it. I've watched a BBC adaptation. That's more mm. than enough. So. You yeah. read them? Nah. nah. <laughs> not, they're not for me. It's like, nah, long. nah. Yeah. I st- <laughs> now, nowadays I get itchy if a book's over like 300 pages. Yeah. Right? Me too, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, my next novel is 368 pages. And even I'm like, I've written a book that I think is going to be too long. Too to long, read. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, same here. Yeah, if it's over 200, then it's a bit annoying. Yeah, because we're, I think it's just because of the way we're now programmed. We're, we we're accustomed to inst- things being instantaneous. Yeah. We just want to finish we it. We want instant gratification, exactly. So, <coughs> longer books, then we're not going to like them. So, reading David Foster Wallace, it's just absolutely not going to happen for me. I look at kids now. The thing is, I've, you know, the last, the last um, Game of Thrones that is out, have not read it yet. And every time I'm like, I'm going to read it, but I see how big it is. And I'm like, my goodness, I can't believe I did this when I was a kid. <laughs> I used to read these kind of books when I was a kid. But a lot of people read Game of Thrones now, though, don't they? Yeah, that's, but it's that's just a good point, actually. so big. Because that's like seven odd pages each book, isn't it? It's hella big. Too long. It's very long, but I have to finish it before the year is up. That all is, of them? Um, I've done all of them except for the last one. Hmm. I heard that's the, the worst one. The last one that's out. Really? I heard that's the worst. I've read some reviews <coughs> on Goodreads. Yeah. People were just like, it was agony. I've mm. said this. He even said it was agony to write. Yeah, I think they were just trying to force him to write, basically. I hope Winds of Winter is going to be good. Well, he might die before then. Let's hope not. That's what the fans are scared of. Let's pray that he won't. <laughs> Anyways. I'm not, I'm not that into it. Are you not? Not oh, even the no, series? Not even the series. No, like, I just... There's so many characters. And like half the time I'm like... I recognise your storyline because of your face, but I have no idea what your name is. Oh, and I and mm. I was like, I 
fell behind with series three and then the red wedding happened yeah and, like everyone spoiled it on twitter oh no and then i was like i don't actually care yeah and i was like it's a good time to yeah just game of thrones it. is one of those shows that you have to like concentrate the first time i've is it really yeah you have to because there's so many characters too many characters that oh. if you don't concentrate it's so like you cannot i can't watch game of thrones and like be on my phone or something Mm. you have to be like and the first episode just throws you in it doesn't even introduce you to the house it just throws you I in I thought it was light watching <coughs> Game of Thrones light watching that's what I thought I thought it was just no oh wow definitely not but yeah oh no it's like my favourite show on earth I'm really sorry I know yeah, I'm it doesn't mean it's not good it's just meant, meant <laughs> I was like I don't, I'm not gonna watch it <laughs> I was really into the good wife at the time oh so. I love the good wife <laughs> Good Wife character development is the best thing on television. Well, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was did you watch The Good Fight? No, is it good? I, I love it. Well, I love, Diane was one, yeah. one of my favourites. And then I really, really grew to love <coughs> Luca. Luca. I didn't like Luca because she replaced, um, oh, what's Kalinda. her name? Kalinda. And that was, Kalinda, she was yeah. incredible. Yeah. And it's got like, it's basically got all your favourites. So like Eli Gold's daughters in it oh, quite okay. a lot. Um yeah, I really love it. I really love love that universe. Okay, I might I go like, back and watch it. And, I yeah. never thought that I'd be really into like because like procedural stuff like that is so repetitive. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I'm really into it, and I really like how so the best legal drama. I think. Yeah, yeah. better than Suits. Oh, which much we better gave than like Suits. Half an episode of, and we're like, these guys are too smug for us. Yeah, yeah. I thought you loved Suits. I used to love Suits and The Good Wife. I love Suits, but it's not The Good Wife. Living the good wife is wife. the good wife is it's it's more it's richer and it has substance suits just makes you like it's just melodramatic and they you know they get shoved a document and they look at it for two seconds and know exactly what they're talking about and oh, like, right. that's that's not true oh it's not realistic yes not realistic but yeah fair enough okay with that we might as well move into mostly flicks then mostly flicks okay so tell me don't spoil it because i haven't watched it what just Oh, sorry. Oh, well, yeah, we're going to talk oh, about the Matrix, the Matrix today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You You've seen the Matrix. Justice I'm hoping. Yeah. Okay. I know you wanted to talk about Fast and Furious Five, but <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> I know Ray wouldn't watch it. Yeah. Have you seen any of them? The first one years ago. Oh my God! It's the best franchise ever. I love oh, those films. It's just, they just need to let it end. No, they don't. They need to <laughs> ramp it up. The last one was ridiculous, though. I don't understand. Like, I I watched the first one years ago. And uh, I just never it gets good at five and, I, and five was the first one i saw and then i went back and watched oh the i first see four, which like you watch them so you mm. know yeah the the family the family connection mm. but, <laughs> but like i really appreciate a film that knows it's stupid and okay. has fun with the fact that it's stupid okay. and it really knows that it's stupid yeah that for me because like loads of dc films don't realize that they're stupid <laughs> yeah and like Marvel realizes that it's stupid yeah. some of the time. Like some of the times, it doesn't realize it's stupid. Like Daredevil doesn't realize it's stupid. Mm. And I, I like I, re- I appreciate that about something that is like inherently <laughs> ridiculous. Mm. And that's why I found Fast and Furious Five. They that two cars drag a massive safe around the streets of Rio yeah. for twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm. My favorite one is the second one, Too Fast, Too Furious. I think that's the best one. The one of Tyrese when they first introduce. Is it what's his name? Ronan. That's his name. Roman. Roman. Roman Pierce. Yeah. That's the. You like that one actually, Ray? Tyrese, isn't it? 
I'm not a fan of Tyrese, not with the stupidness he's doing well, on the internet. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so The Matrix, right? I just wanted to talk about the fact that it's like the greatest science fiction movie ever made. I just wanted to see if you two oh, agree with that. That is a big statement. It's not that big of a statement. That is a big statement. <laughs> it's not that big of a statement. <laughs> the best sci-fi movie ever made. Sci-fi movie. Is that a big statement? Ever made. Yeah. Really? It's, it's a big sweeping statement. It is a big, yeah. <laughs> the Matrix. Absolutely. Wow, okay. Okay, so here's the thing. It's good. I, yeah. Like, I would definitely put it in like the top five of the greatest sci- sci-fi films Absolutely. ever made, or top three even. Mm. I would say I was very so obsessed with The Matrix mm-hmm. that that and Harry people. Potter. Yeah. I used to watch like twice a day, every day for like months. I was absolutely obsessed with it. That's fine. Some other people who were obsessed with The Matrix went on killing sprees. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. You didn't know about that. I didn't know about this. I'm sure there was a TV show, like The Matrix Killings or something. There was a guy killed his family with a shotgun and put on Neo's like long jacket, called the police, and when they found him, he was sitting there drinking a kind of Coke, like, yeah, I just killed my family. The the sniper in America was influenced by The Matrix. Wow. Well, the problem with The Matrix is that it's influenced a bunch of, like, our least favourite people on the internet. Yes. Because <laughs> I the idea of red pilling and has, like, been taken... <laughs> Yeah, the Matrix. Mm. Even though it's like it's from Alice in Wonderland, but mm. um, <laughs> like the the long leather coats and shit shades yeah. that don't age very well. Yeah, um, that seems to be the uniform of all these gun nuts here. Like, mm. I say gun nuts, I mean white terrorists. Yeah, um, <laughs> sue me, white terrorists. <laughs> um, so yeah it's got like a weird interesting legacy yeah and i've never (laughs) while the matrix is brilliant like they really trashed the matrix in the second two films they did yeah like i terrible i really you didn't also i didn't mind the last the third one revolutions wow i didn't mind that's the worst one no do you know what especially the last um the fight scenes the fight scenes amazing the last one but in terms of bloody incredible story and concepts ideas the matrix revolutions is just flat oh i don't know i I quite enjoyed it i didn't like the second one crap it was yeah the second one was just i don't know what that was the the, um create one of the creators of lost he said that you haven't lost have you seen lost he was like people were complaining that nothing gets resolved in Lost and Nose. <coughs> he doesn't explain things and he says the worst thing a writer can do, a writer, like a sci-fi writer can do, is to explain things. And he illustrated this by the scene in The Matrix where the guy, I can't remember his name, with all the TVs around him, explains The Matrix, what The Matrix uh, have. He was like, that's the worst bit in all of the movies because why did they do that? He said that, that destroyed the movies. Really? Mm. I kind of like some things being explained to me. I'm a bit of a Socratic learner. I'm just, you know, oh, you know, tell but, me, ask questions. But as they say, like, all writing workshops, show, show don't tell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you re- like, you really want the mythology to remain the mythology mm. so that, like, you can debate it and, like, mm. really get into it and have your fan theories and all the rest of it. Mm. But then there's just a bit where he goes, actually, all your fan theories are wrong. <laughs> this, this is, is how it. the Matrix works. And I'm like, all right, okay, Yeah, cool, exactly. Thanks. thanks. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i just think it's mind-blowing to be honest the ideas just even now the way when i think about it now in terms of the way things are going in terms of this technological age that mm. we live in this internet age 
it just seems to me more relevant than ever. Do you know what I mean? I think it was very relevant when it came out or even before that. You don't think it's relevant now? No, it is, but oh. I think we've we've advanced beyond it because that would tell you the horrors of technology, but that conversation would have probably been um, more vivid and it would have been more like tangible at the time when technology was beginning to boom. But that's the problem. But now we are so advanced. That's the problem. That it's not when, do you know what I mean? Like when the, when the conversation seems to be boring, yeah, that's when we're getting closer to the reality of the matrix because it's the, the, the fiction, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the reality is, uh, is getting closer and closer mm-hmm. together. Stand. Mm. But I think at the time it came out, and even before then, just a bit before, I don't know. It would have been like, oh my god, this is the horror of the future. But we're kind of, kind of there. And while we see, I mean, yeah, there's quite a few horrors. But who do agree with Nikesh? <laughs> Somewhere in between the two. Mm. <laughs> Somewhere in between. It's one of those few films that, whenever it's on, I can watch it. Yeah. Yeah. At whatever point it is in the film, and I'll still get a kick out of it. Um, and it's one of those films that like got so imitated that yeah that um, like I don't think it particularly dates very well mm. but um, just wish the other two didn't exist because like the problem with Reloaded was it was like okay so we had this unexpected hit with the first one mm. and we kind of need to like ramp it up and so we're just going to do, do the first one but bigger mm. with more stuff yeah and so it's exhausting it's yeah like, there's a lot going on yeah it's too much going on mm-hmm. and then they try and result they, they chuck all this stuff up in the air and they're like and then the third one they have to try and resolve it yeah, yeah. but also they need to save zion which the whole thing has been building to and so you've got like 20 different plot strands yeah <laughs> and um trinity didn't have to die you know spoilers i, I loved her Trinity. Yeah. I liked him in the first one. In yeah, the second and third one. one, it was just, she was a bit, just like, you could just, I was kind of like, why is she here now? Maybe. Neo's the one, we know he's the one, he could just handle everything. And Neo got a bit too big for his boots in the third one. Impossible, how? I just felt like, why are you, in the beginning, you weren't like, you were just like, nicer. But that's the evolution. And he became ugh, the one. Ugh, it was, and then it was just like, I'm so above you all, and I'm just like, He's supposed to be Jesus Christ, I think. Really? Yeah. I love the Oracle. Huh? The Oracle. I like the Oracle. The Oracle as well. in the first, the first film. Mm. Just that scene was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Which which bit? Oh, oh God. when he goes to a house. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then they replaced her. I know. They changed her, didn't? Didn't, they? didn't like that. Well, she died, didn't she? In the end. No, the, no, the actress died. She died. Yeah. Oh crap! Oh, crap. That's why they replaced her. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you she, didn't know that she didn't no get, she didn't get sacked for not being good oh. she died <laughs> okay, oh Ray but yeah I didn't know that I was young man I was a kid mm. I was a kid I thought it was all true okay fair enough but yeah but oh. yeah so moving on to Justice League I watched it I went to the midnight so, viewing of it don't spoil it I'm not going to spoil it for you okay. just make sure didn't I tell it. you though it would be a big disappointment I need to watch it again I was really disappointed <laughs> I was kind of like like was any was there any redeeming quality about it i think cyborg was the best character in it yeah yeah everyone says it's the flash it's not the flash 
is not Barry at all. It's definitely Cyborg. He's the most complex. He has the most. He's obviously the most introspective because of what's happened to him. Mm-hmm. He has the best lines in it. He probably has, for me, the best powers as well. Like, yeah, Cyborg's the best character in the. Not in even the, my husband. Who Aquaman? Yeah. Everyone thought Aquaman was gonna be amazing. He's corny. Shh. Okay. He's corny, okay. so corny, and I just don't understand how it's gonna work because he's supposed to be the king of Atlantis. It mm-hmm. just doesn't. It just doesn't work. It's like you're really trying to put too much together. You've got, you've got Themyscira, <coughs> then you've got yeah. Atlantis. It works in the cartoons and the comics, mm-hmm. but in a movie, it's just weird. It's bizarre, and they have not spoiling for you, but they have Green Lanterns in the beginning. It's like what? Is, they just packed way That's too much into the movie. Is that a spoiler? That's a spoiler. That's, okay. Well, sorry. Well, I said it now anyway. <laughs> but it's DC. It's it's, it's just yeah. yeah. Those films good. Zack Snyder's terrible. He can make a brilliant trailer. Mm. Yeah. But this is it. His films are always really serious. He is obs- like these these recent incarnations of Batman do make you realize how fascist Batman is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just not into it. Like and the Man of Steel film was boring. But see, I love Man. Of I, Steel. It was so. Oh wait, my the first one. It was too long. Batman versus Superman, Dawn of the Justice of the that was dead. League of the Justice. I fell asleep. People. I love that so as well. Boring. I fell asleep. What? Yeah. Oh my god, I think that movie's incredible. <laughs> I fell asleep and I was just so unimpressed. Even Watchmen. I think Watchmen is the best superhero movie ever. Oh god, that. Oh. Have you read the comic? No, I haven't. I've got it. I haven't read it. That it it's the comic not. is amazing. Yeah. Um, the, and the, the I think you watch the film without reading the comic and you go, yeah, that film is good because mm. what he's done is basically put the panels on the screen. Mm. But he, like, you read the comic and you realise that you can't just put the panels on the screen. Like, there's so much more depth there. And, like, right, right, right. There's right, some right. really big ideas in it. Mm. Um, and it really it really deals with like the idea of um who regulates superheroes like mm. what is what are the consequences of having these powers it's brilliant yeah it's really brilliant um have you seen justice league yet no no i've got kids i don't get to go to the cinema right <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. so you haven't seen thor yet either no i'm consi- i've got like three hours before my next thing i'm, I'm considering trying to find a screening somewhere in London oh right yeah yeah watch thor. have you seen thor i've seen thor good um it lacked depth it was too funny people were like it was so funny it was like one of the best i'm like it was so funny it depth it had no depth oh my stomach is rumbling it had no depth whatsoever it was just a, a pile fest of comedy you've got to be kidding was it tell me one thing that was well the fact the fact it. that odin was revealed to be essentially a colonist a, a, a colonial <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got my fingers in my uh, Basically, uh, uh, a colonialist. I yeah. literally yeah. just said I'm going to try and see this film oh. the last time. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not giving you any spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers. I just, That's I did like, I, I didn't think it had any, something tangible. It was just too, So did you like Dark funny. World? You liked that movie, didn't you? <coughs> Which one was that one? The second one. The I one hated the, it. The one with the silly oh, elves. Oh, the elves. That was much better than the first one. What? Yeah. You've the first Thor was so dull. You think that this I just dark personally, elf- I personally don't like the whole Thor trilogy. I think it's just not done well. Be- yeah, mainly because I don't like Ashley Portman. She ruined all of those 
first ones. And this one just... I mean, she had really amazing lines, though. I think the first Thor's pretty good, to be honest. Yeah. Wow. I do like the relation... I think they should do a film looking at the relationship between Loki and Thor. That... That would be boring. I don't... I, I think it's amazing. I love their... their um, it's strange. Everyone yeah, loves I love Loki. It. I think he's annoying. I love Loki. I don't I like think their anymore. relationship and how... You know, even in this film, their relationship... You they kind explored of, it, yeah. They yeah. explored it. And I was like, that was the one thing that I liked about You didn't like Hulk in this movie? <coughs> no. What? <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay. Weird. I like David Banner. <laughs> when he turned human. Bruce, Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Sorry. Hulk called him David Banner. Why did I call him David Banner? David Banner's a rapper. Very. <laughs> 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 wow, okay. Yeah, didn't like it. But I really like the director of Thor Ragnarok. Who directed it? A guy called Taika Waititi. Oh. And he's uh, like a New Zealand. Like he's from New Zealand. He's I think he's half Maori. Yeah. And he did a film called What We What We Do in the Shadows and The Hunt for the Wilder People, which is just one of the funniest films I've ever seen. Mm. Mm. Um, he's really funny. Like mm. He's a really good comedy director. See, it was really funny. And he's and he's a. And he's a POC, so so I, I really <laughs> want to support him. But it's like what you said, actually. It's good that Marvel actually realizes they that they are ridiculous, and that's yeah. when it becomes entertaining. Yeah. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, <coughs> I think was a hit because it didn't take itself too seriously. I liked it actually. I liked that the first. Both one. of them. Both of them actually. Yeah, both. Yeah. Of them. I, I actually like no, I didn't like the second one. I, like I fell asleep. I think the second one was silly. Absolutely, it, it, it was, was too very, ridiculous. Very very silly. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna go and watch this um Justice League. Today. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Okay, moving on. Ray, um Who's your woman? Ray's today? woman. So I don't know if you guys know about they're turning a wrinkle in time by Madeline Langler. How do we pronounce her name? I don't know. Le La Angle? Langle. Okay. Anyways, into a um movie and I just wanted to give They've them already done it, haven't they? Yeah, it's like the trailer's out and stuff. Is it? Um, it is out. Or have I just seen posters? I no. saw the poster. No, the trailer is out because I've seen a trailer. Oh, right. Okay. Um, it looks good. Yeah. So I just wanted to give a massive shout out to Ava DuVernay. Is she the director? Um, I believe so. Wow. And she's incredible. She's doing amazing things. Um, I actually, when I first, I actually didn't know that... Um, Oprah would have something to do with it because obviously I was like, okay, Madeline, and then I saw Oprah and I was like, she character in it, yeah, and she looks really young, mm. very young, or maybe that could just be the Photoshop, but um, yeah, guys, please go and check out the book, um, A Wrinkle in Time, science fiction novel by Madeline Lengel, and it was Isn't actually first book? published in 1962, yeah, <clears throat> 62, and then it had like illustrations later on, but the film is coming out. I think next year. Yeah, it's next uh, year. Yeah, so yeah, 2018. Please go and see it. Uh, directed by Ava DuVernay and it's written by Jennifer Lee. Incredibles Screenplay. 2 is coming out next year. Oh, right? I did not like that silly little thing that they had out. What? I was like, I was really expecting more. But everyone's waiting for Jack Jack. That's all they care about. <laughs> <laughs> Don't care about anything else, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, d oh, I hope it's going to... I really liked the first one. I don't know why it took so long. Mm. But yeah, so that's my Rose Woman, um, Madeline Lengel and uh, Ava 
DuVernay. So go and check it out, guys. Make sure you read the book before the film comes out. Great. Okay, that's all we've got time for today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Nikesh, for joining Thank us. So much. Where can everyone me. find you? Uh, <coughs> on the internet? Yeah. On Twitter? On t- internet, on Twitter. Like, books that you've written. Yeah. Books um, that are coming out. I put out a book called The Good Immigrant a couple of, uh, last year, mm-hmm. uh, which is a collection of essays. He uh, says that, like, if you didn't know. I know, right? If you didn't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. <coughs> like, um, what are you doing with life? I've got novels out as well. I've got a new novel out in... April called The One Who Wrote Destiny, which is uh, my attempt to write a big book. We'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a YA out in June, which is my martial arts gentrification thriller. Mm-hmm. You're in a I'm book really, with Claire I'm as well. Really looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're doing, yeah, Claire Huchin. We're doing, it's like a an educational book about what race and racism is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're working on that at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. When's that out? I think, like, this time next year it'll be late next year right yeah. okay okay cool perfect thank you so much for coming yeah thanks for having me um and we'll be out all right see you guys next week bye, bye. hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.